Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Smells are incredibly important, from tasting delicious food to helping us survive. Now, smell is important, but also complex. Portions of our brain are devoted to processing and analysing all of those different smells, and then our body undertakes responses pretty rapidly to them. We find out about the way smell is connected to the response in our brain and helping us keep us alive. All of our senses play a pivotal role in helping us survive. Our vision enables us to find food and see predators before they get us. And so our eyes, directly connected to our central nervous system, help us analyse and detect the surroundings. There's a lot of cool tricks where our brains are hardwired, more or less, to do this pattern recognition to help us identify visual threats or potentially also visual food. Now, these are great advancements in understanding how our eyes and our brains are connected together, along with, of course, the development of our whole sensory system. But that's for eyes. What about our other senses? Now, of course, the sense of touch is pretty self-explanatory, but you've got to be touching something in order to figure that out. But what about smell? Now, I'm sure you would have smelt something either particularly hazardous, like the smell of gas, or perhaps a particularly rotting smell, and undertaken some kind of response to that, i.e. get out of that area, because it's pretty unpleasant. Especially if a gas or a smell in a certain concentration is enough to make you, say, feel nauseous. So the ability to detect and react to a smell of a potential threat is probably a pretty useful survival technique. And it's shown in other mammals that, of course, it is very useful for them to help to survive. So why, of course, would humans be any different? Now, researchers from the Karolinska Institute in Sweden have just published a paper in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Science on exactly this topic, how the connection between our nose works with our brain and how fast it happens. And this all comes back to a pretty challenging topic, and that is how exactly do you study the connection between the nose and the brain? Mostly because finding a way to measure and analyze that is incredibly difficult. Now, this lead author on this paper was Bezade Ravani, along with Schaefer, Wilson, Asarheim, and Lundström. Now, the olfactory region of your brain, the olfactory organ, takes up about 5% of the human brain. And its job is to help us distinguish between all of the possible smells out there in the wide world. And that's millions of them. Now, a large portion of these smells have some connection to survival, whether that be good food to eat, bad food to eat, or even just the smell of maybe something else. Now, one of the key things, for example, is the chemicals that are often found inside rotten food. Now, odor signals reach the brain, has been shown, really, really quickly. And part of that mechanism is to do with the connection between the olfactory bulb, the first part of the rhinocephalon, the nose brain, and its connection to the rest of your brain and central nervous system. Now, it has the the olfactory bulb, the rhinocephalon, has a direct connection, which is called a monosynaptic connection, to most central parts of the central nervous system. This gives it a really powerful way to respond incredibly rapidly to the detection of a bad smell. The problem is, how can you kind of study that? Because it's so deep inside the nose and then connected to the brain. It's not like you can put one on the head caps easily on with the ECG and monitor the brain waves because it's in the nose, you can't really put something over the face. 
and it's just logistically a difficult thing to measure. And that's what these researchers were trying to dive into, to try and understand how fast our brain responds to and filters through all of this noise, all the other smells you get in your daily life, and how that hardwired, super fast connection actually works. Now, so what they did was put some participants onto a special scale system, connect them up with some tubes in order to wire them for smell and deliver to them certain smells from an olfactometer. And they measure back through a cannula or through a respirometer, the actual measurements from the person. They also have them on a four scale so they can measure the body sway, have a big headphone cap and some EEGs and get them to stare straight ahead. And through this then, incredibly complex measurement setup, they introduced different kinds of smells. I did this for around N equals 22, so not a huge trial, but more than you'd expect for getting them to stand on a weird scale and expose them to nasty smells. Now, of course, all these smells weren't bad. They asked them to respond to six different smells, some positive, some negative, and they monitored the electrophysiological activity of the olfactory bulb while the smell was being observed, smelled. And what they saw was pretty interesting. It was clear that the olfactory bulb reacts specifically and really rapidly to negative smells. And that sends a direct signal to the motor cortex, the main part of the motion, part of the central nervous system, in around 300 milliseconds. And it actually causes the person to unconsciously lean back and away from the source of the smell. And how they were able to tell this is back again to that way they had that set up. They're actually monitoring that force plate and the sway set to detect where the person was on that plate when the smell hit them. You smell something pretty bad, almost unconsciously within 300 milliseconds, you're moving backwards slightly. And this is pretty amazing to think about. Your body is so hardwired that it is undertaking automatic responses of movement based on smell. And that makes sense because it's a pretty important thing for survival. You smell something bad, the best thing you can do is get away from it. And you're doing that in a really, really short period of time. The odor signals are reaching the brain within 100 to 150 milliseconds after being inhaled through the nose. And then after that, your brain sends signals down to the rest of your body to say, ah, get out of here, this smells bad. And this is an amazing thing that your body is just doing all the time. So our sense of smell is very powerful and also very important to our survival. And our brain dedicates large resources of itself to being able to respond quickly and adequately to smells that you encounter. And researchers here, published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences from the Karolinski Institute in Sweden, have shown how your brain is connected to your nose really rapidly and undertakes evasive maneuvers when encountering pretty dangerous smells. Now, leader in this paper was Bezade Ravani, along with Schaefer, Wilson, Asaheim and Lundström. We've talked about how our body and brain react to a smell. 
And we mentioned that there's a huge part of our brain devoted to analyzing smells. But the thing is, like most things when it comes to studying the brain, we don't actually understand how it all works. And in particular, we only know around 20% of the purpose around the human olfactory receptors. By that I mean, we know that these receptors are there, but we only know the true purpose of which signal they're detecting for around 20% of them. And that is pretty weird to think about. There's 400 different types of olfactory receptors inside the humans, and we use these to detect all different types of smells, odorants. But we only really know what a few of them do. And that is pretty challenging because our brain is obviously doing something important here. We've got a receptor dedicated to a certain type of smell. So which ones go where and how does this whole mechanism work? Well, researchers from the Leibniz Institute for Food Systems Biology at Technical University of Munich have been diving into this topic and trying to make sense of a lot of smells. Now, this paper was published in the Journal of Agricultural Food Chemistry and lead author was Franziska Haag, along with Sandra Hoffman and Dietmar Kratwurst. Now, what they were looking at in particular was a certain natural odorant called furinol. Now, this is a particularly important one because it's found in lots and lots of fruits like strawberries, but you also find it in coffee and in bread. It's played a role as a substance in flavoring for food for millions of years almost because basically fruit has this, we can detect it, we've developed this section of our brain clearly to respond to furanol. But we don't know which one and how it's being detected. And it's often been described as like the smell of caramel. It's a key type of of sense that your brain is able to process and associate with. Now, researchers have been trying to find what receptor, the caramel receptor, that is there detecting this particular type of odorant, furanol, and how our brain can so accurately pick it up. So that's what researchers like Dietmar Kratwurst at LSB have been diving into. And to really analyze and understand these olfactory receptions. Instead of studying on a real person, they've actually taken receptor genes and figured out some of the most common genetic variants and built a test cell system. This is pretty unique because they've genetically modified the test cells, so they act almost like small biosensors for particular odorants. In that way, they can actually expose these test cells to certain odorants and see which way they respond. We can specify, as Kraftwerk explains, the exact type of odorant receptor that's present on the cell surface and they can investigate specifically which receptor reacts strongly and to which odorant. The researchers have looked at around 391 different human odorant receptor types and 225 of the most common variants. And this is the thing, no brain is identical so each brain has a slightly different variant on these common receptors. So Based on this, the researchers were sifting through to see which ones respond best to furanol, the smell of caramel. And it seems to contribute to the OR5M3 odorant receptor. Even one thousandth of a gram of the furanol smell per litre, which is a really small, tiny, tiny fractional concentration, is actually enough to generate a strong signal from this particular receptor. Now, they sort of like, does this particular receptor, this furanol caramel smell reactor, actually respond to other odorants? And so they threw another 186 different substances that are key odorants found in food, things that you would often find shaping the floral aroma or the bouquet of a food type or a drink. And what they saw is that only the furanol was really able to activate that receptor. And that's fascinating because it means that that particular receptor 
ORR5M3 is only designed to detect furanol at, at all. Nothing else doesn't trigger from any other type of odorant, specifically tuned to this caramel-like aroma that you can find in fruits, even in the smell of something like durian. And this is amazing to think about, that our brains have developed such a detailed mechanism for detecting exactly this smell. Now, when it comes to taste and the sense of taste and the sense of smell playing into that, the role of these detectors is incredibly important because they help your brain and body respond to the certain smells present in food. So there are around 230 key food-related odorants that help shape our sense of taste. And this needs a lot of analysis to try and figure out what exactly, on a chemical level, is triggering all of these. And this test cell bank detected at Leibniz Institute is really important because it helps researchers pick and choose different types of smells or chemicals to be more precise and see which part of them triggers a response in regions of a brain. And this is amazing to think about. But a piecemeal approach of analyzing all of the components that go into making something smell irresistible and delicious is the only real way to piece together what your brain is doing without you even thinking about it. This is some great research published in the Journal of Agriculture and Food and Chemistry with lead author Francisca Haag with Sandra Hoffman at the I've talked about the way your brain and body can react really quickly to a smell that's bad. But what if your body is resting? What if your body is asleep? Is your brain still working and processing all those signals that are coming through? Is it detecting all those smells like furanol, like we spoke about earlier, and saying, oh, actually, I want to get up for that particular smell? Well, that's what researchers from Imperial College London have been diving into and published in the journal Nature. Lead author was Alice French, along with Quentin Geisman, Esteban Beckwith, and Giorgio Gilestro. Now, what they've been diving into is the nature of sleep. As Dr. Giorgio Gilestro, uh, author of his papers, points out, sleep is always a trade-off. While asleep, you're vulnerable to predators and you can't collect food or mate. So it must be important, but we don't know exactly why. Why one will sleep its character differs across each of the animal kingdom. And that's true. Lots of things sleep, but sleep has an important role in helping us reset our bodies, or at least that's what we think. But not all animals sleep or sleep in the same way. And not all animals or creatures respond to a wake-up stimulus in the same way too. So these particular researchers were looking at the way in which brains process signals in the background whilst sleeping. Now, this is important. It could be something like a loud noise or the sound of someone crying, like a baby, for instance. These are all things that your brain can filter out and choose to respond to, depending on your level of sleepiness or the type of stage of sleep you're at. Now, smell can also trigger a same response, which is a pretty important thing. If you were starting to smell something bad and your brain has got a hardwired connection to respond in that situation, well, okay, it is going to try and wake you up because you need to respond. That would just make sense based on the earlier research we just talked about. But the connection between processing smell signals, even while asleep, that is really difficult to study. So the research has turned to, of course, good old Drosophila, fruit flies, because it's easy to breed them and turn on and off selective genes to understand the connections between the neurons and the brains. Because fruit flies have 
and the ability to sleep, which is pretty unusual. It's a complex behavior, but their brains and neural systems are actually really well mapped because they're not that complex. So unlike a human, we can really analyze and understand in detail exactly how these flies are responding and which parts of their brains are being turned on and off to process these signals. So they took some fruit flies and exposed them to a whole bunch of smells while they were asleep and monitored how they behaved. Of course, they didn't just have well-rested and happy flies, they also had some flies who didn't have as much rest or didn't have as much food or perhaps were really, really intoxicated or in some other way, impaired. And they analyzed how they could be woken up with smells. And what they found was that the smells that are bad, averse smells, odors, were the ones that actually woke up the flies pretty rapidly in most conditions. Whereas the attractive smells, maybe the smell of some particularly tasty to chomp into, whilst normally the flies would respond to that when they're asleep, it didn't trigger like an automatic awake, wake up now signal to the fry's brain. And this is important because it ties back to the research we spoke about earlier that some parts of our brain are designed to keep us alive away from threats and smelling something that could be a threat well that means you should wake up and that's what is being shown in this fly case just goes to show the important work that the nose is doing even when you're awake and asleep filtering distinguishing particular smells and making sure your body undertakes the right response to them this paper was published in the journal Nature. Lead authors were Dr. Alice French, along with Geisman, Beckwith, and Gillespie. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. From smelling smells while asleep to smelling particular smells in certain regions of our brain, we found out the important role smell plays in helping us survive and detect bad smells quickly. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.